Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Cavs of the podcast, we are back, um, and and this may be uh, the very first episode that uh, you listen to on our new podcast format. Um, still working out some bugs there, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, uh, welcome to Cavs Cavs the podcast. Tom Pestek and Evil Genius and Nate Smith with you. <laughs> so how's it going, gentlemen? It is going. Did you guys see um, Deli's new shoe commercial? I have not. Oh, no. Oh, it was described on a bunch of snarky American websites as awful. But I mean, whatever. They just, I don't know. They just don't get Deli. Uh, Deli came along like 30 years too late. We're, our world is too cynical for Deli. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with you there. Well, like but Australia is I, about about three decades behind us culturally, anyways. So that's probably about right. Well, then, good. I hope in, he in a good I hope way. I would sell say. like. Oh yeah, sell like hot good way. I didn't say that in a negative, snarky way. For yeah. sure, in a good way. No, no, no. That used <laughs> to be what about um, living in Fairbanks in Alaska. People used to say, you know, Alaska was like the U.S. used to be thirty years ago, and you know, people stop and help you out and all this kind of stuff, and they. You know, I'm sure you meant in a compliment in the same way. Sure. Um, my my mother's Australian. I, I oh, absolutely. I I know. So I knew you weren't. <laughs> I knew you weren't cast in shade, eg. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, big week in uh, in Cavsdom. Um, we had the big controversy over whether or not the Cavs should sit their stars. <laughs> Did you hear that? I just saw this. Uh, actually, it was Nomad that posted it. They heard that Love's going to be out both Wait, of the Milwaukee to, games. You need, to talk in, you need to talk in all caps if it was from Nomad. Yeah. <laughs> that Love is going to be out for both of the Milwaukee games. Really? <laughs> yeah. uh, did they say why? Or and what is Mrs. I don't know. And what is I'm Mrs. To, no, what is Mrs. I, Nomad you know, I, 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 I don't want to even guess at that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man. I, yeah, I'm, unfortunately, I really want to meet there. Nomad in real life. I feel like he's just a hoops junkie. Oh, and he yeah, would just yeah. want to like talk about players from like the last six decades. Like he'd be like, "Oh yeah, so and so in like 1982," and I'd be like, "Nomad, I wasn't even born yet." And he'd be like, "Well, let me tell you about him." Oh, let me tell now you about it says Love will miss Tuesday night's game with Milwaukee with a knee injury. Mm. I didn't. I didn't know he had That's a knee injury. That's that's a little scary. I wonder what happens. So the Cavs but, are down to two big men. Yes, the yes, they are. And so speaking of the Cavs down to two big men, a lot of uh, emails back and forth from the CTB staff. 
uh, the last uh, couple days in, in an article. Looking to give the gift of fitness? Well, um, yeah, Chris Birdman Anderson out. Uh, yeah. Tore his ACL, probably, possibly a career ender since he is sort of at the end yeah. of his career anyway. I think most likely, right? I mean, you don't come back from an ACL at 38, 39 years old, do you? Um, I, I would think no. I mean, especially because it already looked like he'd kind of lost a step. <laughs> no, he had lost like a whole set of stairs. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, um, he... Um, <laughs> He he was uh, definitely had was not the bird. Now he would miss dunks for a minute and a half straight because he can't actually dunk. Rather than yeah. you know the famous dunk contest where he just couldn't dunk that day. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I feel bad. I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he really looked like he was he was giving effort, and by all accounts, he was a really positive impact inside the locker room too so i mean all the guy i mean guys were sort of quoted it you know in the aftermath of the injury saying like he's he's been nothing but you know but a but a great teammate and you know and saying and doing all the right things and preparing for games the right way so it's, it's too bad i mean you know he's he's been one of the more colorful characters literally and figuratively in the league so yeah, it's hard hard to see a guy go out that way, but yeah, I mean, I can't imagine him coming back from this. Yeah, and and talk about a guy whose career was literally over, and you know, kind of brought himself back. I mean, he was out of the league for I believe almost two years for a drug yeah. suspension, drug drug related, right? Yeah. yeah. Did he so, have to go through like rehab or? Yeah, and I don't believe these were your, you know, I don't think it was just marijuana from what. Reading between the lines, but it's funny. You don't get a lot of. I mean, you don't see a lot of uh, league suspensions anymore in the NBA. You remember back in like I think it was like the like mid to late nineties, maybe it was. It was. It was definitely after Len Bias when there was a bunch of guys. There was Cedric Ceballos and a few other guys that really got like cracked down on for drugs, and then. Oh, it seems like in recent past, like you just don't hear much about that, at least in re- respect to the other major sports like baseball and football. Well, I mean, the one that comes to mind was Michael Beasley, right? He, uh, he yeah, has I guess, I guess so. Issues. Well, and then, there's uh, not many others. And Larry Sanders. Yeah, I, no, I, uh, was uh, yeah. Guy. Was and his, then, was of course, there's Mike Scott, who I believe. On the Hawks? Yeah, he's still under indictment, I believe, for uh, felony trafficking. Oh really? Yeah, oh. he had a huge uh, issue with uh, drugs, and I think it's still still uh, being adjudicated. So, oh, good word. <laughs> um, so well, here's just to just to put a button on the Kevin Love thing. So it's, here's the article: Kevin Love experienced a knee contusion, a knee to knee collision with Larry Nance uh, Jr. during the Cavs home game on Saturday. Uh, against the Lakers is continuing treatments related to the contusion will not travel to Milwaukee with the Cavs to play the Bucks tomorrow night in Milwaukee. He's listed out for the game and questionable for the game on Wednesday night. Also against the Bucks back at the, at the queue. And, and let's be crystal clear here. The Cavs have been tapering 
towards this uh, Christmas Day matchup with the Warriors. And that's what all sure. that rest was about last week. That's what Kevin Love, and this is probably one of those injuries where if it was the playoffs, he'd play. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, maybe it's just Ty Lue wanting to say it's something more than it is so he won't get criticized for just holding Kevin Love out to rest. Yeah, well, that, that could be it as well. And, you know, because the Cavs kind of got skewered nationally in in some ways, rightly so. And fortunately, the league has kind of stretched out the season a little bit. And I guess there's going to be no more four games and five nights, which is good. That's what it sounds like with the shortening of the preseason. Yeah. Although I read something like they were going to shorten it to a maximum of six games, which I was like, who? <laughs> that seemed like I can't remember a time that the Cavs didn't. Like, six games seems like the norm to me, but maybe... They played eight games this preseason. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, which was... And then, if least... it's a maximum of six, then, you know, you figure, yeah. you figure like, four of those are actual preseason games, and maybe you've got, like, scrimmage, like, what they do at Ohio State or something like that, or a whining gold scrimmage or something like that in addition. But either way, the it's, it sounds like the, the season's going to start at least a week, maybe two weeks earlier into October, so... Yeah, which should make Major League Baseball happy. <laughs> mm, yeah, good point. Well, hey, if yeah. the, if all the playoffs are like last year's playoffs, I don't think they have anything to worry about. That's or true. Th- this last season's playoffs, yeah. Was... As long as the as long as the Indians and the Cubs are playing, they'll be good. <laughs> Hopefully, in the World Series again. <laughs> Indians got to get some revenge. That's yeah, right. Re- rematch. Yeah, they do. This time with Brantley. It'll be just like the Cavs. (laughs) So uh, other topics that we wanted to talk about. um, Any thoughts on a Birdman replacement, Tom? Well, um, I read your piece in the the drafts, and I listened to Hey Windy this evening while I was doing dishes. So it's slim pickings, that's for sure. Um, pretty much every caller or tweeter was sort of asking Wendy, so what are they going to be able to do? And um, yeah, everything's kind of a long shot, basically. He brought up, and I don't have this foggiest idea, is it, how do you say the guy's name that is no longer going to play for the Rockets? Montiunis? Is it Montiunis? Yeah. Montiunis? Yeah. So, yeah, although I, I wonder if the Rockets are going to want him back now after Capella went down. Well, but he tweeted out like goodbye fans, um, you know. Well, he's pretty much like refusing to report. Yesterday. I believe. Well, no, it wasn't that he he was, and then so his contract like expired, and they had to make a new contract. And, and they renounced his rights, didn't they? And then they, and then he failed the physical. So right, I but think then, he's done. No, 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 because then. New Jersey signed him to an offer sheet, and Houston matched the offer. Yes, but that's what I'm saying is... He failed the physical again. Yeah, he failed the physical with Houston. So I don't think Houston even, like, wants him at this point. Not at that price. I think they're like, okay, four-year deal for this guy or whatever. Uh, No, he failed the physical. I don't know. It, but yeah, anyway, he was the guy. That, it is, but he was the guy. Windhorse said, "I mean, he'd be a great fit. The problem is, you have to like convince him to come here for basically no money at all, 
and you know play his way into his next contract for next year and you can promise him minutes on a championship team and all this kind of stuff but ultimately the guy's you know 26 years old and i mean his contract that was matched was 37 million is he really going to want to play for like 800,000 this year i mean but then the other problem is there might not be another team that will pay him big money so it'll be interesting because if if he does sort of have to just kind of play on a one year deal and try to get rich in next year's free agency, I mean then you I mean you would want to play on a contender that needs you, right? So like the Cavs actually would be kind of an attractive team at that point since he is saying he's not going to play for the um the Rockets, I suppose. But so then then Winhurst brought up a team to kind of watch out for was the trailblazers because of this really interesting idea. Winhurst had that the blazers own the, uh, the Cavs 2018 first round draft pick. Hmm. Um, and the Cavs still have their 17 first round draft pick and the Cavs can't trade away their 17 because of the Stepien rule. Right. But they could trade it to Portland as long as they get the 18 back and Portland would rather this. I don't know if he said that Portland confirmed this or he's speculating, but he said Portland would rather have the this year's draft pick because the draft class is supposed to be a lot better. So, and then he was like, and Portland's underachieving and they've got way too many players on their team. So they'd be a team to watch out for. Now, after this, I Although went and I, they just I, had a Zeely go down though. Right. Isn't the Zeely going to have the season ending surgery? Yes, and not to mention, um, they really only have Azili and Ed Davis and Mason Plumley. Well, well, have, and that other who's that other guy? Myers Leonard isn't Myers he kind Leonard, of a tall guy. He, he's not really a. Is he well, really? He's a, a, he's a seven foot small forward. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the point is, the Blazers really awful have hair. the Blazers have a a roster just stacked with like young shooting guards. <laughs> so, yeah. um. You know, I guess I don't see the Cavs doing a deal directly because I don't I don't know that unless they just are looking to replace, a, you know, get another wing player. But maybe using the Trailblazers in a three team deal with someone to get another big man. I don't know. I mean, part of me and I mean, you guys can tell me what you think, but I sort of feel like the Cavs really just need a warm body at big. Right. They just really yeah. need a guy. I mean, think of think of like what Sasha Khan gave them last which or was Kendrick or Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. Or, I mean, a, a guy that I, I think we would all first. rather have someone slightly better than that. But yeah, I mean, that's no they well, need a guy to well, yeah, commit to six hard fouls fun. and exactly take exactly. up punishment at the end of the regular season. Yeah. You, you need to have five players on the court. Right. So right. you need a big guy that presumably, uh, you know, who did the Cavs get back in the day? Like, uh, um, Scott Williams. And then they had Scott, uh, <laughs> Who is the other Scott? Scott the one Pollard. with the Scott Pollard. Oh, Pollard, Pollard. Yeah. Didn't he have a drug related? No, he had that dopey thing? thing on the sidelines where he said, "Hey, kids, Don't do drugs. drugs or something." No, he said, "Do drugs." Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then he got suspended for a game or two because of it, and he yeah. apologized yeah. profusely. So, yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> he's kind of a dope, but yeah, uh, but that's unintended. what they need, right? That's what they need. Yeah, pun intended. They they just need a body, I think. Wow, I mean, yeah. Myers Myers Leonard is seven foot one. 
That's crazy. He's seven and one, it, but like, it, look at his is rebounding. He listed stat. as like a small forward or something. No, he's no. listed as a power forward. But okay. He plays like a small forward. Okay. Yeah, and get a free plays, CTE Maven two smartphone from AT&T. I mean, his rebound rate for his size is just so ridiculously low. Oh, it's terrible. It's and really, he shoots thirty seven percent from the field. He's averaging three point two rebounds per game. Four in, four in for his career. Minutes or so bad news, Nate. Um, someone asked. Well, someone. I thought it was you, like using one of those phone machines that like changes your voice. <laughs> Someone called into Windhorse and started like dropping all this knowledge about Chetty Osman. <laughs> and it was like, like, oh, when he was drafted, you know, it was like, well, the guy can't shoot, but he's a great athlete. Well, he's like the best shooter in EuroLeague right now. And, you know, what are the Cavs going to do with him? And, and, uh, and he was like saying what all his percentages were and everything. And Windhurst was like, man, this guy's dealing this caller. And I, and I knew it wasn't you because it didn't sound anything like you, but I was like, man. He was some guy from from Canton, even I think, but um, <laughs> probably one of yeah. my boys. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, one of your boys. But uh, <laughs> Winhurst said he thought the Cavs were going to deal. Oh, Eddie. I think they probably will, which which is a bummer because I was watching the, uh, the video in your draft, and I'm like, this guy is not at all what I expected. No, he. I mean, he's... I I expected like the next like Luke Jackson, and no. this dude is vicious. Yeah, he plays I mean, like he plays an animal. like a he does. I mean, those chase down blocks. I'm not sure I've seen a guy with chase down blocks where like I thought he was going to break the rim on the chase down block. Like he almost yeah. accidentally dunked the chase down block. And his and his poster dunks. Ooh, baby. That dude, that dude has got a nasty streak. Yeah, and he's so, shooting against the EuroLeague though. Let's qualify it. I wrote up I wrote up a SETI article a year ago and I look I'm I, a big I quoted fan it. Too. <laughs> I know I'm a big fan too, but I don't think he and look he doesn't fit like the is he coming over now or is he coming over he's next gonna be, year? He's gonna be in next he, year. He can't come over now. He can't come know. over. That's what I'm saying. He can't help the Cavs this year. Well right. and, and so my point in the article was the Cavs have a four-year window and they're not under any conceivable circumstances going to be able to add talent at a lower cost he's probably your best shot at doing that so why would you trade that away for guys that are going to sit on the end of the bench in the playoffs when all you need I is, would, as Tom I said but it, warm bodies it was the but it was the I wouldn't do it for warm bodies for sure but I'd do it if there was an opportunity to get uh a, another big man like the one that you were mentioning no, in you your article. Say it, it, Nerlens Noel is what we were discussing. Yeah, I but, think that's me because I've I've watched enough of Nerlens play, even on a crappy Seventy Sixers team, especially last year. I don't think you can really measure much of what he's done this year because no. he's been hurt. But like last year, he definitely had some, especially early in the season before he hit the rookie wall because it was technically his rookie season where he actually had no, some, last some year really was his second games. year. Yeah, but I don't think he played. No, I don't he, think he played that first year. No, he did. He he played did he? a fairly significant amount of minutes. Yeah. I still think I still think it's too early to to yeah. write the 
off as, as a guy. Because I, I think on a team like the way the Cavs are constructed, he's yet another. He's a. You're right. I, I think he's a tall. Yes, he's a taller version of what Tristan Thompson's skill set is. Because he's probably not. He's probably not going to be good for much outside of five feet in terms of scoring. But if you got a a guy that I mean, look at what's Javale McGee on the Warriors. Yeah. The difference between Nerlens Noel and Javale McGee, and the problem with Nerlens Noel and I, <laughs> you, were Shaq, you were you were shacking a full moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the problem is with Nerlens, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. So if he's any good, the Cavs aren't going to be able to keep him anyway. Right, uh, but he could help. Be able he could help him win a championship. He could help him win a win a second championship this year. Yeah, and Sadio and and Osman can't. You know, it's interesting because I, you know, when you guys were tossing around the emails about Noel and you were talking and the and the sort of like packages you were putting together, my gut was to be like uh, Philadelphia will laugh at that. And then Nate like pops in with his Jeremiah Engelman tweet, and then I did a little research myself, and then I watched some video of Noel, and then I was suddenly like really down on Noel, like I had. I had sort of gone from like the Noel that I remember leading up to the draft when we at Cavs the Blog were really excited about the idea of maybe getting him um, before he suffered the um, was he tears ACL or something in college. I went yeah. from like this guy that's got a you know a big ceiling and the flat top and the you know he's going to be like Dikembe he's going to block all these shots. I went from that to like oh yeah this guy's like a total bust and I'm sure it's somewhere in the middle. Oh absolutely. But and, it's very it's very interesting how you can really make some a strong case that he's not any good, but at the same time, there are some like just kind of standard box score stats there that look pretty pretty decent for a big man. And you yeah. just remember like how young he is and how athletic he is, and you think like, okay, the ceiling has got to still be really high. Yeah, so, I touched you know, on it. A lot of his problem is he takes so many garbage shots that he was encouraged to take on a garbage warrior squad or a garbage yeah. uh, sixer squad sixer squad yeah yeah you're right yeah he did play two years but he increased his scoring total by two almost well i guess a point and a couple yeah, he and became then... a worse shooter his second year he was a no he well his, his better field goal percentage, percentage was better but his shooting he was a better finisher but a worse shooter right was, he was, his rebound weight went up. Yeah, he was 73% at the rim um, and less than 30% everywhere else. So, but I mean, here's the thing. Here's the sorry. thing. You're you're looking at you, – you have to look at it as – and I think I said this in my, my comments in the, in the email chain. You're looking at it from a perspective of, okay, if he's he's been on a 76ers team whose best facilitator – has probably been Michael Carter Williams for one year, no, and the he was facilitators. Sergio Rodriguez now, 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 but he has played yeah. with Sergio. He, right, exactly. He's he's only played two games this and year. Sergio's so, not that good. <laughs> no, I'm just saying the best, but the best guy he played with was Michael, arguably Michael Carter Williams, right. who's not that good, and he was expected to be the quasi star of that team before. Embiid and I forget the guy they got last year uh, came along. Okafor. Um, Okafor. Okafor. Yeah. So 
I mean, yeah. I mean, look, when you when you're expected to be like the guy on a team that's terrible, that's literally tanking and following the process, versus being the <laughs> process. Being the, trust the process, easy. Trust, trust the, process, the process. Be, whatever. But but <laughs> as opposed to being the backup big that comes off the bench to essentially like the bigger, more imposing rim protector than Tristan Thompson, who all you're really counting on him for is to catch. Kyrie and LeBron lobs for dunks and run the floor, which he can do. He can run the floor. He's very, I mean, he's pretty fast. And for a guy who's 6'11", because he doesn't weigh a lot. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you're yeah. just looking for a guy who's, yeah. who can patrol the rim and grab rebounds, not at a high rate, but at least at a decent rate. And, and, and by the way, if you're just telling him that, like, you don't get the, you're not creating anything, Nerlens. You're just, you're just there to block, block, balls in the paint and get rebounds and catch lobs and dunk them literally you're going to be following this in the footsteps of deandre jordan i'd be interested to see what deandre jordan did his first couple of years in the league because i bet yeah, it was, I, I don't know that he's that type of athlete though yeah i, I mean deandre jordan's not, kind of a freak not, but do you see but you know what i'm saying like and he how, plays with chris paul <laughs> well yeah if DeAndre Jordan played on the Sixers as a as a as a in the same position, I guarantee you his numbers would be about the yeah. same. Oh. Well, that's really interesting. So yeah, DeAndre Jordan, I don't know if I agree, but I like where you're going. Two though, years, four point three points and four and a half rebounds, and then four point eight points and five rebounds, but he never strayed away <laughs> and less than forty percent from the free throw line, um, and he never strayed away from just you know, dunking. Um, right. And then he really, DeAndre Jordan that we know now didn't really become the DeAndre Jordan we know now until like uh, 2013, 2014. Um, How many years in the league was he then? He was already five years in the league. So, I mean, didn't Tyson Chandler kind of do something like that oh, too? Not, not yeah. to that extreme, but he was kind of a bit player and then eventually he played with Chris Paul and he was like the dive man. And suddenly yeah. everyone was like, Oh my gosh, Tyson Chandler. And he was, a, and a, well, and then Tyson Chandler kind of fell off the map when he went to Charlotte and then kind of had the Renaissance when he ended up in uh, Dallas. So, you know, right. the big men and I, and I wrote about this a little bit. It very much depends on the situation that you're in for big men. And if you can find a situation to flourish in, that's great. I mean, and it, and it works on both ends. I mean, you got Channing Fry, who was lost in Orlando, just did not fit at all. And now well, that was just, weird because his numbers weren't terrible in Orlando. I couldn't figure out why they played him so little. Maybe they were just trying to stay with the youth or something. But Because he can't really play defense. I mean, look at how he did when the big three weren't in the game the other night. Yeah. I mean, he, he, Channing. To be fair, Channing's a guy that's best when he's when he's a spot up shooter at the top at the around the top of the arc. Yeah, he can. He's a, he surprised us a little bit with with some of the moves he's had inside. But the truth is, he's not a very good. He's not a particularly good defensive player. He never has been, and probably yeah. never will be. That's and true. I mean, he had moments in that game where he literally. What was that? My the one where he stood by and watched. Um, Somebody like miss. Oh, it was, it was uh, what's his name? Um, 
the grindfather, uh, trick or treat Tony went up, missed it, missed the layup, grabbed his rebound, was shocked that he had the, got the rebound and that nobody was attempting to block his second attempt at a layup and then laid it in again. Like it was just, it was bizarre. It was this Channing was like, okay, man, just just do go about your business. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get, let's move on to the next play. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And Channing is a specialist. And when you have superstars, you can employ specialists. And yep. well said. He was almost unplayable, I and mean, he was unplayable in the last couple of games against the Warriors. Well, right? He I mean, he was. Uh, also... I mean, that's uh, we say that about we say that about Delhi. We say, I mean, it's such a small sample size. I, I mean, Tyrone Lou did some. It's the only fun. sample size that matters, though, right? I mean, if we're talking about championship, no, right? no I mean, it doesn't. It, that's that's not true at all. That's not true at all. I mean, Jer, if that's true, then why did Jr. Smith even play last year? He was so bad in the 2015 finals. Tyrone Lewis should have just been like, well, you know, I know J.R. Smith is terrible when it, we need him the most, so I'm not going to play him. He wasn't terrible on, on defense. He, he was in 2015, though. He, he, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he was so bad at both ends in 2015. Under, under in David Blatt. Under well, David Blatt. He has a history of <laughs> shrinking in the moment, and he was, he was really important. To the Cavs, not only in the finals, but I agree. particularly in Game Seven. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Well, you know, next year Channing Fry, this year Channing Fry will be unplayable because he was quote unquote." It's just like the same argument with Delhi. You know, like Cole's always going about like, "Oh, we're so glad he's gone because he was unplayable." It's like, look, just because the guy had you know a couple bad games and his shot kind of abandoned him well, doesn't tell you anything about you know, what he would do next year. Like you got to look oh, at the whole I agree. Thing. No, I agree with you. And that's probably the wrong way to say it. But the truth is the reason why Delhi didn't play much in the finals is because for that age old thing of what, what again, in the, in a, before the age of analytics, what basketball used to be, which was in the, in, when it gets down to crunch time in the playoffs, your starters play 40 minutes. And that's just, that's just the way it goes. That's what, that's what Ty Lue did. It, it, the guys that played with the starters, Plus Shump, and who else came off the bench? Like not many, and, and our and and Richard Jefferson, right? Like that's just that's just what that's the way basketball used to be too. Like it's it didn't used to be the like oh yeah let's let's go ten deep. I, I mean I just I mean Teron Lue played Mo Williams in games like six and seven. I I just he did some really strange things. I'm just going to put it that way. He yeah. did some things that I don't see how they were justifiable, like in any sense, but they won Except the title. So <laughs> well, it didn't work. I mean, it, it didn't work. It just, in spite of it, they won a title. I mean, in spite of, it didn't say in spite of it. it yeah. It didn't fail. Uh, I wouldn't okay. say it okay. worked. Yeah. I just say it didn't fail. They won a title. You go to the mechanic and the mechanic tells you, uh, you maybe got, 200 miles you can drive this before it falls off and you make it to 199 and you make it back to the garage that's what playing mo williams was like <laughs> all i'm saying oh. is if you look at if you look i mean i guess i, I didn't mean to get off on this this tremendous well, tangent I, I mean, all i was saying point, is the point was i felt like you were saying you can't count on channing fry against the warriors based on last and i don't think but i don't think you'll be able to i think channing fry is too much of a liability on defense to count on for too much in uh, uh, finals, uh, another finals against the Warriors. It's just so here, here's my take about that. There's no one 
short of like a couple guys on the Grizzlies that can really do much of anything about the Warriors. So I don't think your goal is to try to like even slow down the Warriors. Honestly, but that's what that's what they did last year in those three games. You go back and watch them. That that's they went back to that grind the, to the grind. Those games, those games were lower scoring. Those games were more defensive. They were they turned on the defense, but they they stuck with the starters and and Shumpert and RJ for the bulk of those the last three games. That's why I mean, look, what do we like? Do we agree with it? Don't agree with it? That there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of Delhi. There wasn't a lot of, of Channing Fry, even though those guys had contributed early on in the playoffs. Like Channing had some amazing games against the Hawks and against Toronto, but you know, once once it got down to it, those guys weren't playing. Okay, so I'm gonna <laughs> you you can you can make a rebuttal, Tom, and then you can make one more, eg, and then we're gonna. <laughs> I, I'm done. I'm just the only. That was my only point was that I think Channing Fry is a great is a great role player for the team and in the right situations he can be amazing i mean he's yeah, absolutely so I, i'll kind of extrapolate what you guys are saying and one of the things is that when you get into the playoffs and especially in the finals the starters play major minutes and against a team like the warriors you channing fry is not good enough to play against anything but bench lineups and bench lineups just don't play enough in the finals for him to matter. That's fair. Uh, I, I think that's kind of what you're saying, right? I just, yeah. I, I don't know. You're making a lot of assumptions. Like everyone's going to be healthy. And I mean, you look at last year, <laughs> you think the Warriors wanted to play Festus Azili or Anderson yeah. Verzow? I mean, yeah. well, and, Tom, they, and Tom's point Anderson is, Verzow, but, but Festus Azili was really good in the playoffs against the Cavs the year before. So Tom's point is you can never have too many bar- bullets in the gun. No, I I, no, actually, that. my point is that I think this year Channing Fry plus LeBron has been kind of devastating offensively, and that you know I don't I I don't think that you're gonna just like stop the Warriors. I think if the Warriors are gonna score like a well, hundred plus, no matter what lineup you put out there. And the Warriors so, are a different team this year too, though. So look, you're you're right in in a sense that the Warriors don't have a Bogut, an Azili, a guy in the middle anymore. Kazaza Pachulia isn't it? Like they don't have that that presence in the middle anymore. So it may be that that the Channing will be more playable in the finals if they both teams get there this year, and that and that I, happens. I that guess way. maybe I should... McGee logging heavy minutes for uh, for the look. He's I can't. I mean, I've never loved Javale's game, but he. But they've been using him correctly. Yeah. Can't. can't I don't know that. I really don't. I really don't know. And there's, and there's. Everyone's doing this, but I really don't know that we can draw a whole lot of conclusions from last year's finals. There's just. It was so strange. It didn't follow any of the patterns of the regular season. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say like, well, obviously, you know, like. Curry wasn't 100%, but I mean, it's possible he wasn't 100%. You know, like if I was a Warriors fan, I would certainly have, yeah, I'd, I'd have arguments in my holster to that end. So, um, Tom, we've, we've kind of beaten that topic into the ground over the last all, several all I'm months. Saying but, is, well, no, I want to say, say is this. I, I, oh, I just don't know what we can look at 
I mean, if you look at the 2015 finals, you would conclude a lot of things about the way the Cavs were going to need to beat the Warriors was to like really grind it down and to win a game, you know, like 88 to 87 or something. Or and, 90, 93 to 89. Yeah, or that, and that you were going to always have to have a guy like Della Vadova just constantly in Curry's shorts and chasing him all over the place. And you mean like just, LeBron? But but did LeBron do that? Tom, I mean, Tom, they're gonna they're gonna re-air the the game seven before, for as a Christmas Day thing on episode before the before the 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 game the Christmas Day game. Yeah. You should watch it when, and just remember I mean, how I, much okay, defense so how much on, defense the Cavs played. I, so, I remember. I thought the Cavs did a great job playing defense. I'm just saying. <laughs> I thought they defended differently in 2016, especially in the you know last six or the last five games I thought they defended in games one and two a lot the way they defended the Warriors in 2015 they really did a good job um, staying on the Splash Brothers they were Shumper and J.R. Smith were constantly fighting through brick and mortar to stay on Curry's hip the whole time as he was running around screens um, you know they they fought through everything they did the the like the hedging on pick and rolls and they were getting destroyed. And I remember watching game one and being like, damn it. Like the Cavs aren't really playing bad defense. Like I kind of like how focused they are and their energy level and they don't look bad and they just lost. And then game two just kind of got away from them. Um, well, what, and then you watch was the, which was the bench game. Cause didn't golden state have one. Was it game one or two where the bench guys just went off? That was game one. Yeah. When, uh, yeah. So, so that, that was one got the away anomaly game one. Possibly, yeah. But I'm just saying, so if you watch how the Cavs... 65 years old someday and still having the same podcast <laughs> about the 2016 finals. Well, <laughs> we'll, still be like about the two, we'll still be talking about the 2009 Magic <laughs> at that point. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I'll have to go back and rewatch. Speaking that. of Michael okay, Pickel, so Patriots. Moving on, uh, how do you think this all bodes, both of you, trying to segue for the last 10 minutes, for the Christmas Day game against the Warriors? Okay, <laughs> so, uh, um, EG, all this yeah. that we just talked about, what are you, some of your expectations for the Christmas Day game for the Warriors? Uh, I think that the Warriors are going to come out and with a, with a lot to try to prove. Because they, you know, not only are they probably sick to death of hearing that, that they choked three away a three-one lead, yeah, yeah. and and that you know Kevin Durant wants to prove that you know he you know he makes a difference on this team, and look, I wouldn't be surprised if if Golden State won that game because I think it means more to them than it does to the Caps, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, Tom. And they're really good. So even if it didn't, <laughs> that might be the same result. Well, and it's kind of funny because yeah. last year um, I was like, oh, the Cavs are the road team. And a lot of people say that the Christmas Day game in a way favors the road team because there's fewer distractions. You don't have the kids. You don't have the presence. You don't have all that stuff. You don't want everybody wanting tickets. Um, and you're kind of pissed off about being on the road on Christmas anyway. So. Um, so it was kind of, kind of <laughs> favorite the your road team, and then the Cavs got David Blatt fired, or David Blatt got himself fired 
with his bizarre Christmas Day game coaching last year. You wasn't that the coach. no? That was a Martin Luther King game, wasn't it? Yeah, but you're saying the beginning of the end was when he like didn't play Mo Williams and Richard Jefferson. Yeah, and didn't tell anybody that they weren't playing before the game. Yeah, um, right. which was a big deal. I mean, I've read it in a couple different books, uh, yeah. so it must be true. I was a I was kind of reflexively <laughs> a Blatt uh, defender and apologist, and between. A couple podcasts that Wendy's had recently and reading Terry Pluto's new book, I sort of like it was sort of death by a thousand cuts for David Blatt. Like I kind of forgot like how many things happened that just was not a good look for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still very it's still very strange, you know, because it's like the the idea of David Blatt and the and like the the actual coach David Blatt turned out to be such a different people. Well, here's the right. thing. I still think it. I still think it might have been a whole different thing if it was David Blatt coaching Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Tristan Thompson. You know, the, the team that he was hired to coach, not the team that LeBron came back to. Don't you just think it's weird that he never kind of like he never kind of like had his last hurrah? You know, like the entire time he was there, he just kind of placated LeBron, and he would never getting his face about anything and, and everyone was complaining how the, you know, the rest of the Cavs were getting upset because LeBron was getting preferential treatment. And like here we're watching videos, grainy videos of this guy in Russia and the Euro league, you know, like breaking clipboards and flipping out. And like, that's not at all who he was Yeah. Um, here, which I just, but yet he was real salty with the media and stuff, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm surprised he got fired and he never like had a throwdown with LeBron over something. <laughs> yeah, know? and I think that goes back to the whole thing. You know, people can always smell a fraud, and he wasn't kind of being who he was. Yeah, uh, that's and, true. And maybe that wasn't was true to himself. Yeah, yeah. And maybe he'd still although, be maybe he'd still be here if he was. And and maybe he kind of saw the writing on the wall when LeBron shoved him into the sideline the one game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instead of going after the reps. So I I don't know. Yeah. So, Tom, any anything you want to look for in the Golden State game? Anything you're excited about, uh, Cavs wise, no. Warriors wise? You just want to see a great game? Not at all. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see a win, but I'm, I'm not putting any stock in it. If the Cavs lose by 40, I'm not going to do what I did last year, which was I abandoned all hope and I despaired. <laughs> that Martin Luther King. I mean, honestly, that, that Martin Luther King game. game it ruined yeah. the season for me and like a lot of fans. Like, a yeah. lot of us were just like, okay, that's it. Close up shop. Like, it's not happening. And then we started, you know, interpolating, and we're just like, LeBron's not getting any younger, and the Warriors are looks so primed. And it's like, we're not even close to this team. We've now lost five straight games against them. And, you know, here we thought, like, well, if we're just healthy, we'll beat them. But the stats say that we're even worse when Kyrie... I mean, it was just, you know, it was just so easy to look at that and just be just so sad about it. And so this year, I just don't yep. care. I don't care if the Cavs yeah. lose by 100. And when they play yeah. the second time, they lose by 200. Because all you got to do is win four out of seven. Well, <laughs> I was going to just, to pile on to Tom's point, the, the, the lizard brain, my lizard brain says, I really, in some ways, kind of hope they don't win and, and give the give Golden State this sort of false insecurity that they had last year, quite frankly. This idea of like, oh, these guys are nothing. We just beat them. Let them get it out of their system now. Let Draymond get his, you know, like, I want to annihilate the Cavs. Like, great, do it. 
Yeah, I, I think we're past that point. I think this is approaching, you know, Lakers, Celtics, 80s, where every game is its own kind of self-contained entity at this point, and every matchup is going to be, you know, something special. So it, it 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 it's beyond that, and I don't, like Tom said, I don't think what happens this game matters, but I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Nonetheless, I hope so. A game that and a game that both teams are going to take very very seriously. Well, let me ask you this: so, other than Nate, who is defiantly optimistic and turned <laughs> out to be right, the Cavs had a the Cavs had a seven game losing streak against the Warriors. The Warriors had not lost two games at home the entire season. They hadn't lost three games in a row in three years. So down 0-2, I mean, did you? Did anyone really think the Cavs had a chance? I mean, no, they didn't. No one with a brain did. I don't they have won. a brain. They won. Th- no, you don't. You, were, you, you just were being defiant because you could tell that it was just poisoning everyone and everyone was just like me being a Debbie Downer. And you're, you know, a middle-aged guy with kids, and you know that basketball is supposed to be fun, and it's not supposed to be, like, such a drag. And so you're like, screw this. The Cavs are going to win three straight, and they're going to make history. And I'm just sitting there rolling my eyes like, all right, Nate, whatever. But you got the last laugh, bro. (laughs) You were right. (laughs) And he only had a brain. (laughs) You know what? I mean, for the rest of my life, I'm taking the Nate Smith approach. You know what I mean? Good. Yeah. Good. That's I'm taking the Nate Smith approach. I don't care if we're down three nothing and you know and, and it, the Warriors have won seventy five games this year. Yeah, I, I don't care. All you gotta do is win four out of seven. That's all you gotta that's right. do. That's right. The Electoral College is voting tomorrow and things are gonna turn out right. <laughs> yeah. I hope oh, it's wait, just not they like voted today. Like Never another. mind. <laughs> Did they vote? Do we yeah, know the results? Yes, the faith, they man. confirmed the nomination of Donald Trump. So, so we won't have a second civil war. Well, not over that, but there's a lot of other reasons we could. So. Yeah. I... yeah but, but let's go back to our opiate for the masses of sports. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you feel about uh, the whole? You know, we had Mozgov last week. Uh, we got Delhi coming up this week. Um, positive vibes about the Cavs getting rings, former Cavs getting rings, Tom? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, that was great to see Mozgov there looking so happy and he got a nice ovation. I mean, that must have been, you know, before he got that massive payday from the Lakers, which remains the worst deal of oh, the season. Oh, I don't season. know. There's some really bad deals. Uh, he hasn't really done much. He is them. last but, in the league in RPM for centers. Right, yeah, right I now. hate RPM right now, though. You know, yeah, me. it'll be. I mean, maybe, maybe it's right, but but anyway. Um, so I mean, last year had to be a really tough year for the guy. You know, it's like he was a bit of a fan favorite the year before, and he was really effective, and he was good in the finals, and and then he was just he couldn't do anything last year. He was just totally ineffective, and it got in his head. You know, you could tell that at a certain point his body was back and his, his mind just sort of never recovered. Um, and so it was really nice to see him smiling, all the calves. Um, although I didn't say LeBron, but I no, saw a lot LeBron of calves. LeBron was late. LeBron was, yeah. 
LeBron he was, was in the bathroom. He was in the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Because he so missed anyway. the he missed the player introductions in the national anthem too. Okay. It wasn't just it wasn't just a I'm not going to go out for Mozgov thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, but the rest I, of the guys, I don't think I mean, that's a move LeBron would make. I mean, Mozgov no. is not a guy that he has any sort of bad history with. So. Oh no, no, yeah. not at all. And I and I thought that you know you could tell there was some genuine happiness and joy on the part of a lot of the Cavs. So Mozgov yeah. was a well liked teammate. You know that was pretty obvious. From hey man, that watching them. None of those guys ever has to buy a drink in Cleveland again. I mean, no. All right. And I think it'll be. I think Delhi is going to get like Delhi chance and a standing oh, yeah. o. Yeah. And, Dante uh, Jones never has to pay for a drink in Cleveland. He just has to say, "I, I, I do." I scored five I, game, I, five points in Game Seven. What about Sasha? What about Sasha Khan? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am kind of bummed out about the way I feel like. Uh, Anderson Verjao is persona non grata all of a sudden. I feel yeah, like I, he brought a lot of that on himself, though. I mean, the the problem is the Cavs. I mean, but we don't know what really happened, but but re- reportedly the Cavs made the olive branch to say, "Hey, this is this rings yours, dude. You're on the team. We're going to present it to you if you want it." And Andy turned him down, and they made a big deal about turning them down. And I don't know. I think that just rubbed people the wrong way i mean it just in the same way i think i think i sensed it long before that oh no it was before that but i still well, think it was given the, the finals of the flopping and the well, yeah but the even before that like he when he let when when they cut him loose obviously he was free to sign with any team but the fact that he signed with golden state was just a kind of like comment of it's so nice to play for a team that where everybody cares about each other, something like that. I mean, it was it was a little odd. Yeah, but that was probably everyone's so, now uh, you know back to just calling him a big flopper. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, the biggest flopper in the league right now is one Kevin Love. I mean, <laughs> seriously, like That's three not true. three not plays true. a game. Oh, are you kidding me? Three plays a game, Kevin Love pump fakes and egregiously <laughs> that's steps not, in. But that's someone. not flopping. Oh, that's not a God. flop, though. That's he is a flopping worst. defense. Yeah. No, it can be on offense. It can, but when that's has not Anderson Barishow ever flopped on offense? Oh I mean, yeah. Look, it's still a flop. Okay, it's 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 a flop. And uh, I mean, I love it. I think it's, it's smart. I think it's smart. I love it when he does it. No, it's but, only a flop if you end up on the ground. He often does. Like Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry always ends up on the ground when he does the fake and flail. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You're just fans. That's okay. That's not true. No, I'll agree That's with you. I hate. By the way, I don't like the. I don't like the play. I don't like. I. I think the NBA should take steps in the way that they took steps against the flop to yeah, take to, to to eradicate the. Oh, I'm going to wait till the guy jumps in the air and then I'm going to jump physically into him into I his hate space. The one where you jump sideways. Into the guy. Oh, that's it's that's terrible. It should be an offensive foul. It yeah. should be. Absolutely. But until they change the rule, much like my hated Hacka, Hacka, Shaq, Hacka, DeAndre, whatever, it, until they change the rule, it's it's fair game. And if well, other teams use it, to call it better. Yeah, but if other teams are going to use it, then then you have to continue to use it. Yeah, I just well, think when I'm sitting here watching a close game. 
and Kevin Love does something like that, and then he drains three free throws. I'm very happy about it. And I was very happy every time Anderson Verja drew a charge or got someone flustered or got Ray Allen to elbow him in the nuts. I, I loved it. I mean, he was a fan favorite because of the way he played. And now it's just like, oh, this guy's just a traitor. He sucks, and all he does is flop. It's like, I mean, well, come on. I, I think the other thing is, is that all Andy has left is the flop. You know, it's his skills have up diminished to the point and he's where had, he's yeah, it, it, they have. I know it's it's kind of a bummer. It's a bummer to me that his his best years were really the dark years. I mean, he yeah. was a, uh, and he still suffered a lot of injuries during that time. But oh my lord, there oh, yeah. was a he had time. the start of that one that that oh. one year sitting fifteen and fifteen to start. And the he season was season and he was basically game. like it was so ironic that one of the plays that defined him early in his career was. um you know what was it like an airball twelve footer? Oh yeah, in game four against the uh, against the Spurs in a very close game, yep. and um, he became automatic from like fifteen to twenty feet. Yeah, it, it it was it was it was so you know you could just see the growth. Yeah, that he exhibited as a player, and yeah, and those were they don't very, let him shoot that they don't let him shoot that shot in Golden State. Yeah, well, it's he doesn't you know he, he's lost a lot of his athleticism and yeah and the other thing about Andy and I I agree with what you're saying Andy gave the Cavs a lot of good years never complained uh was a loyal soldier and they paid him a lot but uh never had a bad word to say about Cleveland so I I do feel like the fans are kind of some fans kind of selling him short a little bit and you know, oh, the guy I still think he should get. I th- still think he should get his ring, and I think yeah, I it doesn't. It doesn't bother again. me. It doesn't bother me that he doesn't want one. I mean, well, the other he was side on the of opposing that is, team. If it wasn't, yeah, it's exactly. not like Bob's he was on the opposing team. If or, he'd have been it, on the Spurs, it's not like and Danny then Black. lost in the semifinals or something, it would be different. It's not like um, David Blatt or uh, who was the other guy that was on the team for a while, and then they had to move him to Orlando in the Friday. Uh, Jared Cunningham. Yeah, it's not like that. It's Much like he ninja. played against the Cavs in the finals. So he technically lost in the finals. So why would you want a ring saying you won in the finals? When you is Jared I mean? Cunningham getting his ring? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Wait, where does he play now? Is he on a team? <laughs> but Anthony was, Bennett plays I for the Nets. I think he's on now. the Bucks. I think he is on the Bucks, right? Or he was. Did you see... Um, E.G., did you see the cameo Anthony Bennett made in the Larry Nance Jr. poster last week? No, I didn't he see was the He was the guy that Larry Nance crossed up on the perimeter. That's and funny. That's, and that's why he got a running start to the hole and oh, threw gum, down on Brooke gum Lopez. Gumdrop bear. Poor gumdrop bear. Yeah. But I'm glad he's in the league. I mean, that's good. He, he's Are you though? an almost 15 PER. Well, big men always have decent PERs because they I'm just sort of naturally. Alex and Jensa. <laughs> Speaking of Alex, what's, what's Alex Len up to? Is he a bust too? No, he's playing. He's he been just doesn't it. play a lot of minutes uh, for Phoenix, but he's not bad. Oh, that, is that the worst? what happened to Jared Cunningham? He's now playing for the, the Jing, the Jiangsu Monkey King of the Chinese Basketball Association. Uh, oh, and he's probably okay. a star because he played on oh, the Cavs. Sure. So, might sure. be, it might be. Well, whenever the Cavs play the Jiangsu Monkey King, then he'll get his ring. <laughs> That's really their name, the Jiangsu Monkey Kings. 
Yeah, not even the king, not even kings. Jungu Monkey King, like singular. There might be a translation error there. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah. hopefully it gets some. Alex Len is uh, playing twenty-two minutes a game, eight point nine rebounds, seven point or eight point nine point seven point seven rebounds, and a forty-eight percent field goal percentage. So and a sixteen per, uh, one point six blocks, not a bust, a good shot blocker for his size or uh, per minute, but uh, doesn't play a lot. Of course, he plays behind Chandler Parsons or not Chandler Parsons. Uh, uh, Chandler. Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Alex Len, not a bust. Uh, clearly, uh, everybody knows now that the alphabet was the best draft pick from that class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a debate. Uh, with Rudy Gobert, probably second. Yeah. <laughs> you love pointing this out, don't you, Nate? I. I <laughs> I, I'm just gonna say he's number two in the league in centers in RPM right now. So I just I remember you're really high on both of those guys. So uh, well, no, I was not super high on the alphabet, but I did think he was just an absolute. You were really high on Rudy Gobert. Oh, I was. I I wanted the Cavs to draft him first overall, but <laughs> oh, actually, I wanted to a lot better than what they did. Yeah. <laughs> Anything would have been better than what they did, but it all worked out in the end. Yeah. So, um, just for the record, Larry Sand Larry Sanders hasn't tweeted since uh, November thirtieth, so maybe he's working on a deal on a on a comeback. I think that he deal, probably just forgot his Twitter password. No, he's working on finding his dealer's number. Is, the, is what he's working on. <laughs> anyway, um, so. We got Christmas coming up. We've got uh, so any good Cavs related gifts uh, that you got either got someone else or is on your wish list, gentlemen. Tom, um, I'm sure I will get a ton of Cavs related stuff. I've already gotten a stocking that's like a championship stocking. It's a funny story. Yeah. I'm you know Dayton is not an NBA town. Um, I'm driving home from work today, and the car, like to the left of me as I got off the highway, has a Cleveland Cavaliers license plate frame. And I was like, oh, how about that? And then I was picking up a gift at Office Depot on my way home that we had ordered online. And the car next to me has a Cavs championship, um, like, bumper sticker. And I was like, man, I have not seen any of my own vehicles i've not seen any like Cavs related stuff i don't know in a long time and here in the span of like a minute i've seen two so that was kind of interesting but as well, far as like christmas swag um yeah i'm gonna probably get a bunch of stuff I mean, my parents know they can't go wrong getting me you know caps t-shirts and socks and whatever so um, Cavs mouse pad some, yeah i'm gonna treat i'm i'm gonna treat myself to a version of that of that uh, iPhone case that I I put on the end of that uh, one of those write ups with with the uh, Kyrie shooting the apple over Steph Curry. Oh, nice! Yes, Very I nice. got I got one of those. I didn't get that one. I didn't even yeah. know that was one of them. Oh my yeah, goodness! They, 
there's a company now that makes them. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. other Jason, the, I think it was the other Jason brought it up. He, he, he had put the, uh, no, the I, web- I got, I got a Newton's law one where the apples fallen from the tree and there's the equation for, um, force of gravity. Yeah, they also have one now where LeBron's blocking the apple against the backboard over. Oh my gosh! Over I need to buy the, uh, two more MacBooks just ligands, <laughs> just for the ten dollar decal. I need yeah. a new MacBook Pro. I've been trying to get my company to buy me a new MacBook Pro for a couple months now. <laughs> like I've been trying really hard, but so I saved so. all my uh, post championship uh, kind of wishes. Uh, for Christmas, so I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna get the DVD and uh, some of some of the other stuff. Um, a couple of the T-shirts I've wanted, uh, like the one with all the caricatures and them holding the trophy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So so I'm excited about that, and my and so kind of in relation to what you were talking about, Tom, with uh, with all the kind of sudden Cavs interest, I have seen an explosion of interest in basketball. Um, there are, my, my kids don't go to a very good school, or I'm sorry, a very big school, apologies. Um, <laughs> and in the in my daughter's first grade class, there are probably 15 girls playing basketball. Um, nice. Which last year, we didn't even have half that. So I'm definitely calling it the LeBron effect. Bump. Or the the champ the Cavs championship, championship effect, yeah, the bump. So uh, so I, I definitely think you know in about twelve years here there will be a lot of really good basketball players come out of Ohio just from the. Uh, I mean, you know it. From the I mean, LeBron just think. Bump. I mean, I just think about how different my life and my you know peers would have been without the Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Hot Rod Williams, Larry Nance, Terrell Brandon. John Battle, you know what I mean? Craig Elo. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we fell in love with that team and we pretended we were those guys on the playground and they were good, but it's not like they won a championship. So, yeah, I mean, this generation is, you know. Yeah, and kids, what was it I saw the other day? The Browns, the, all of Ohio. the Browns haven't won a playoff game in 22 years. They've literally <laughs> lost an entire generation of fans. God, there are so many hilarious, like, Facebook posts about the Browns that have been going around. Uh, did you did see you, the one you... that's like that awkward moment when you realize two Star Wars movies have come out since the Browns last won a game? Like that is brutal. Oh, that is and brutal. Then, and then there was the, the one, one I shared. The jersey? Yeah, the one said, I shared. O W E N 16. Yeah, I shared oh, that. That was Owen, you? My bad. Owen 16, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So painful. Speaking of jerseys, I want uh, I want you guys' thoughts on the Christmas Day jerseys. Uh, I really like the ones last year with the wine and the white, but this year they kind of like did that the, too. the same thing, but it's uh, it's the same scheme, but it's gold instead of white in the lettering. Let me look at it now. Thoughts. By the way, speaking of jerseys, I'm gonna get. I think I'm gonna get my son the. the black uh, one. No, no, he, we already have black ones. I want to get him. The uh, the one the throwback ones this year because I love oh, those yeah. the orange yeah. the orange with the the oh, uh, the yeah, Cavs yeah basketball Cavs one Agreed. yeah definitely those are great yeah and, oh yeah and, these are cool yeah these I, are cool. I, I, I like, like them I still kind of like the white better but well the white was classic but this yeah. is more I mean this is their colors yeah and it's a more muted gold than 
their normal gold, it seems like. Or hey, that could yeah, be the computer. Yeah, talked for like two hours. We haven't talked at all about my pet research project this week. <laughs> okay, well, one thing before we get into that. So I just want to, since we're talking about swag, I do want to assure our fans and listeners that T-shirts are coming. Uh, been been working on those. Have not forgotten about anybody. But you probably won't get them by Christmas. So. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, what were you, your research project, Tom? Yeah, so if you followed the post I, I put up earlier on, on Friday, it um you know, I talked a little about Darius Miles because he was in oh, the yeah. news. He was in the news because um there was an auction for all of his stuff uh to pay back a lot of his creditors. So, you know, sad story. You know, another one of these um that you can chalk up to pro athletes going broke, which this is a this is a really hot topic. It's probably second to like um, concussions as far as like issues surrounding uh, the sort of the health of pro athletes. And, um, you know, there's a there's a is it an ESPN 30 for 30 or there's a special called broke. And um, the flashpoint for this is an article. And I talked about this in my article. A 2009 article from Pablo S. Torre, who now writes for ESPN. He was writing for Sports Illustrated at the time. And in the article, he claims that um, 78% of pro football players are bankrupt uh, or, and then the or, I guess, is a bit of a hedge, but or, or very you know financially stressed within two years of retirement, which is just such a stunning idea that like more than three quarters of players within two years of retirement are you say football or basketball pro football and then right below that he says 60 percent of uh professional basketball players are broke within five years so the author of this darius miles um auction article kind of like tosses that in there and that was the first time i had seen those numbers yeah. and i just i my first look at them was like this is absolutely insane. Like, I just don't believe this. I, I mean, I'm sure it's bad, but it cannot be this bad. This is just, this is just too crazy. And so then I looked up to that article that it sourced the ESPN article. And sure enough, it, it that's exactly what it says. And, um, so then my I favorite, to, my favorite part was the thing you found on Wikipedia. Right. So then I'm looking <laughs> for like more information and I find a Wikipedia article called, personal finances of professional athletes. It's not a very long article and it references once again, that sports illustrated article, but it turns the take up to a thousand and adds 78% of pro football players. Instead of the, the original um, Pablo S. Torre article, which says something like are bankrupt or, you know, in dire financial straits, it says are bankrupt or have committed suicide. <laughs> And, and the Tory article and, and, does not and not to laugh about suicide. It's just well, no, but the Tory article no. doesn't mention suicide anywhere. It, it doesn't even appear. It's not even like. And sometimes this is so bad that you know a couple people even commit suicide. Like it doesn't show up in the article. So this was this was just someone just threw it in there. I don't I don't know why. I don't know if it's I don't know why you do something. Kicked like it up that. a notch. So so then at this point I'm just like how far down to this rabbit hole can I go? Like, what is, you know, what's the source of this stat? Like, where did this, because in the, in the article, it doesn't say, it just says, according to a bunch of sources is what it says. And then it talks about like, uh, 
union study and it talks about player interviews and uh, agent interviews and it, it, there's nothing specific. It's just kind of like I've talked to a lot of people and trust me when I say it's 78% and 60%. So then I just thought to myself like, all right, look, if it's 60%, then I can just sit here and start like Googling names of players that have been retired for five or 10 years. And like, there's a better chance than half that I'm going to find an article somewhere that like talks about how this guy's broke. Right. And so I started doing that. And the first guy I looked up was Vin Baker, because I remembered a story about him, you know, finding, you know, comfort in just working a regular job at Starbucks or something. And in that article, that article was, um, you know, from a major publication of his time or Forbes or whatever. It, it talks about that, Sports Illustrated article, and it says that the NBA um, commented that that article, that that number was completely pulled out of thin air and not true at all, and that the actual number is that within ten years, um, six to eight percent of retired NBA players reported having trouble making ends meet. So we go from the SI article, which says 60% are broke within five years to the NBA saying, according to a players union study that six, not 60, six to 8% of players are having trouble making ends meet within 10 years. Right? So it's like a huge difference. So, um, this morning I'm at work and I was talking to some coworkers about that topic. And then uh, they asked me, like, okay, well, what's, what is it for football then? Cause you know, you got this thing saying 78%. And I was like, you know what? I didn't even really look. Cause I mean, I'm more of a basketball guy. I didn't really think about it. So I started looking this up and I'm finding article after article after article, like this year, like 2016, using this 78% number and citing it. And I'm like, I just, there's no way this article is true. Well, there was another pretty popular study that was done last year that came up with the number that 16% of retired NFL players had declared bankruptcy within 13 years of retirement. And the study was based on everyone drafted between 1996 and 2003. Okay, that's a high number. That's like a really high number. You know, it's something that we should be concerned with. But the difference between 78% are bankrupt within two years and 16% have declared bankruptcy within 13 years, that's, just, that's, just, that's an enormous difference. difference. Yeah. So, so then I stumble upon, uh, or you know, one of my coworkers says something like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they get rich too quick. It's just like, you know, how lottery winners, like 70% of them go bankrupt. <laughs> and I'm like, What? And he's like, yeah, haven't you seen that? And I'm like, well, no, but I don't believe that either. And he's like, oh, no, it's true. So I start searching the Internet. Sure enough, some random study that there's no actual data for published like two years ago or maybe even this year says that 70% of lottery winners declare bankruptcy. That's it. That's just what it says. Like, you know, so I'm like, this is so ridiculous. This can't be true. So I found a study. That actually um, was published in MIT Journal a couple years ago, and it tracked like 33,000 people in Florida that had won the lottery. 
uh, over so many years. Wow. And, played a lottery in Florida. I guess you got pretty good odds. <laughs> right. Now this, um, yeah. So anyway, long story short, the, the general um, public's rate of bankruptcy per year in Florida is 0.5%. So meaning if you're a citizen in Florida next year, there is a half a percent chance that you will declare bankruptcy, which is a little bit higher than the national average. National average, I think, last time I looked was like 0.27%. So like 27 out of 1,000 people declare bankruptcy. I'm sorry, 2.7 out of 1,000 people declare bankruptcy every year. Okay? So in Florida, that number is more like 5 out of 1,000 declare bankruptcy every year. For lottery winners, within five years, that that number goes up a little bit. It, it more or less doubles. So like 10 out of a thousand would declare bankruptcy within five years of winning the lottery. Okay. Now that's a 1%. That's not 70%. That's like not even close to 70%. I mean, it's just, it's not like, well, someone's saying, you know, one third of this happens and it, it you know, it's really more like, I don't know. It's really more like uh, one eighth, and it's like, yeah, they're, they're way too high in that estimate. But this is like, this is nonsensical. This idea that seventy percent of people are bankrupt after they win the lottery. I don't know. Rant over. It's that people are just repeating fake. I mean, it is the fake right. news that we've been talking about so much, but just. People's ability to just take a complete and total made up piece of garbage fact and just repeat it ad nauseum as if it right. was gospel. Right, Tom? Right. And these aren't like, well, you know, some random blog or there's something just on Facebook and some, you know, uh, stay at home mom that's got her own blog about hairstyles is repeating some fact about, oh, did you know that it's better not even to play the lottery because 70% of people declare bankruptcy. It's like, right. it's like time and U.S. News and World Report. And it's like legitimate publications that people pay money for and read that are parroting these numbers that I, it's just, it's, it's so shocking to me because the numbers are so egregious. I don't understand how someone wouldn't have the common sense to be like, Really? Yeah, it's just it's just like that Rolling Stone thing that happened. That was like a big scandal. And it's like really at no point you're like this all seems a little bit a little bit too like made for TV special. Well, you and know? not only that, a little bit too, you know, con- it's like confirmation bias in the extreme. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's what the they used to say, believe, believe, half, believe, uh, don't believe anything you read and only half of what you see. Or the Mark Twain yeah. quote, there are three kinds of lies, lies, damned lies and statistics. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, OK, so. <laughs> well, and, and here is the worst part um, about this whole thing. So. I found an article and that it was in, it was in time and it talked about a new study, right? 2015, a new study shows that 16% of NFL, former NFL players have declared bankruptcy within 13 years of retirement, right? So this is the new study. 
And this right. major publication is citing the new study. And and then in like the very next line says a Sports Illustrated study from 2009 <laughs> showed that 78% <laughs> of NFL players declare bankruptcy within two years. And then so it's it, gotten better. <laughs> well, well, no, that's the thing. They just sort of like offered it up. Like, here's another data point for you. There was no mention of like, this is in stark contrast to, oh, the, yeah. to the stat that everyone's been parroting <laughs> for five years straight. Right. It was just like, oh, and, you know, in case you're not yet convinced that it's a problem. Check out these this two completely stat. incongruous numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was crazy. And I'm just, well, and, I think and, there's and, I think there's nothing left to do but to to foment the uh, the the fake analytics movement. <laughs> oh, geez. yeah, yeah. I mean, and and see, here's the thing. You know what the whole point of that piece was? It's to pontificate to you why this happens. Right. It's the same reason. It's the same reason why the local St. Louis writer that wants to talk about the sad story of Ricky Davis mentioned the stat. So then he can talk about, oh, you know, there's a problem and these young guys, you know, they need more financial help and they don't know what they're doing. I love that you just said Ricky Davis and not. Oh, and not say that. <laughs> Darius Miles. It but by the way, I'm sure though, if you if Google Ricky, Ricky Davis, Davis, I'm sure he's broke, too. <laughs> right. But I'm saying, you know, every article wants to tell you I gotta do why something. this is happening. <laughs> Everyone wants to be like Dr. Phil. Everyone wants to be like. I'm going to tell you why all these pro athletes don't know what they're doing with their money. And it's like, well, maybe you could get the facts right first. Maybe, you, you know, because here's the thing when it comes to anything from social programs to public policy to like your child's allowance, anytime, almost every time you make a decision, it's not like a binary thing. It's like you got to weigh like what is the extent of something, you know? And so the difference between 78% of NFL retirees are going bankrupt in two years and 16%, that is going to yield a markedly different responses, right? If it was really true that more than three quarters of NFL players were broke, like bankrupt within two years, I mean, that'd be so crazy. People wouldn't even go play NFL football. No, it'd yeah, be like, it well, be I could stay in college, get a degree and make $30,000 a year and, you know, live an okay life. Or I could be bankrupt in five years after I've had six concussions. Huh. Well, Ricky I mean? Davis, Ricky Davis was busted for violating the NBA's drug policy. Yeah. But so Ricky, so the funny thing about Ricky Davis is he just, uh, there was a couple articles in 2014 because he was actually in the D league yeah. in 2014 trying to make a comeback. Oh, that. That's yeah, what I'm looking that. at now. Yeah. yeah. And so. The crazy thing about him is he's only 37. So he's actually younger than Bird. He has no cartilage in his knee remains. Yeah. Oh, man. You're but, thinking about it. You're trying to talk yourself into it, Nate. No, 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 no. Can't just get their wig. Like, <laughs> it just cracked Wrong me rim, up. Ricky. Like, he had all the talent in the world, and yet he, and, you know, theoretically, he could still be playing. Uh, you know, because Birdman's still playing, you got Richard Jefferson still playing, and you, yeah, those guys are outliers. But I mean, it's just like Ricky Davis. It feels okay. like forever ago, but he's only he's only thirty seven. I mean, okay, it's, it's here we go. Not. Davis Davis says, nor does Davis says he needs the money, having earned about forty three million in his NBA career. In fact, Davis elected to take the minimum salary from the BayHawks, twelve thousand dollars. 
less than half of what he could have earned under the D-League scale so that the team could use a slot on another player. He should consider himself lucky. He's part of the 40%. Yeah, he's not part of the 60%. Right. So I've got a funny story about a, um, a celebrity game that got played in Alaska, and there was a lot of former Sonics that played on it, including uh, Gary Payton and Sean ah. Penn, uh, who, from what I was told, really needed the money. So, well, I know Sean Kemp did. I don't know about Gary Payton. Or, well, it Sean Kemp's that, got a lot of mouths to feed. Or he does. He would have. Ricky, yeah, and, so Sean and, Kemp got divorced and then remarried his ex-wife. It was like, I believe, because at the uh, at his uh, retirement speech, his he talked about his he called it his former ex-wife. He wanted to thank his former ex-wife, Mrs. Payton, who was like there in the audience smiling. So I'm like, that's Mrs. a really Payton interesting way. Kemp? No, Gary Payton. You you said Sean Kemp the first time. Oh no no no! I don't think Sean Kemp was ever married, and I <laughs> definitely don't think he remarried his ex-wife. But, well, you know, twenty um, percent of divorces, did. they end up getting remarried. <laughs> but how many commit suicide, Nate? That's right, at least fifteen of those. They either yeah. get remarried and/or commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, we've gone uh, pr- pretty far down the rabbit hole here, gentlemen. And uh, but you know what? The moral of all this is, is honest moral? to God. I mean, I hate to say this. I really hate to say this. But you just can't believe anything. <laughs> I mean, you really can't. Except for Cavs the blog. Ken except Cavs for Cavs the Except for Cavs the blog. Speaking of truth in a confusing even world. Though, even though Nate and I say the wrong person's name 77% of the time <laughs> when we're trying to make a point. But 32% but, but of your it. your heart's in the right place 100%. 32% of it, of it right. we get it right That's on right. the next time we mention a name. So, Well, a guy called into Mark Neal's show the other day, and he had a question about, like, swapping Durant for Harrison Barnes and what that meant for the Thunder. And I said, well, if you recall, caller, uh, Harrison Barnes shot something like, you know, one of eight from three in game seven and was patently horrible. And I don't know. I specifically remembered those numbers for some reason. And that's not even remotely true. He was like two <laughs> of four from three so in game seven. So you were an order of magnitude off. I was. Percentage. Yeah, I really, I really was. Now, I didn't say or he committed suicide. <laughs> at the end it, but yeah, I was way off. And I career suicide. Maybe career suicide. Career suicide. He well, he not, signed he a was paid, contract. Paid he did not to make career suicide. <laughs> and he's actually not having a bad season, although... Someone's got to score points on that team. So. Yeah, he is. That team is really not good. No. Maybe um, Andrew Bogut will be available. Poor, uh, <laughs> poor Dirk. Yeah. Although not poor Dirk in a way, too, because I respect the whole, I'm not going to go chase a ring with somebody. I just want to retire with my team. Harrison Barnes had 19 <laughs> points tonight. Did they win? A nine of, he's like, nine of he's like averaging like 20 a game. No, they lost by 10 to the Nuggets. It's terrible. <laughs> What's they, they started some dude named Finney Smith at small forward. I don't know who that is. Harrison Barnes is the um, <laughs> he's the uh, taller Larry Hughes. <laughs> Dear Harrison, he's the six foot nine Larry Hughes. Okay, gentlemen, uh, we we've gone down the rabbit hole and and come back up, and this uh, podcast getting a little long in the tooth, so. We need to wrap it up. So uh, one one parting parting thing you want to pitch, uh, parting thought there, EG. 
Um, I just I would say everybody should have a uh, hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas because who knows if we'll be back on another podcast before that probably not odds are not so I hope uh, I hope that we get as you said Nato we get a really good competitive Christmas Day game in our stockings uh, I, and I don't really honestly I mean as much as I want them to win and beat the Golden State again I really could care. I, I really don't don't care if they if they win or lose. I'm not going to be affected. Let one game affect me, but um, but I hope that's great. And then the only thing I would I guess the only thing I would pitch is season two of uh, of the Man in the High Castle, which uh, have you I'm, binge watched it all yet? No, I'm I'm I I'm about halfway through. My wife and I watch it together, so really, I have to wait. Is it for, really good? You know what? I really like the first season. I, I came to it late. I didn't actually watch it until like september of this year so it was I still kind of like fresh in my mind so on some level i find season two a little bit more ambitious and and, and as a result a little confusing and there's one piece of casting that i won't ruin for people who haven't seen it yet that pulls me out of it entirely but when he's not on the screen I, i'm enjoying it okay is this okay, the I, show where like the nazis won the civil yeah, the World yeah. War II? okay yeah exactly and the yeah. nazis and the japanese Okay, so Americans are like rebels hanging out in the Rockies or something like that. Yeah, but it's based on the Philip K. Dick short story. Which, speaking of Nate, did you see the uh, the Blade Runner teaser today? I did not. Um, I'm, I'm a little, that. I'm a little skeptical about that. But me too. Me too. I'm the I. I nobody more skeptical than me. But I actually yeah. was encouraged by the. Okay. the Did you say Blade Runner was your favorite movie? It is. Yeah, they're so, remaking it. And they're no. doing a sequel to it. Oh, a it's sequel. A sequel. Okay. Is it with Harrison Ford? Yes. Okay. Wow. There you go. And so, Ryan yeah, Gosling. And... Sorry, go ahead. But directed by the guy that, that just directed Arrival. Oh, okay. What's his name? I knew you were going to ask me that. It's French. It's uh, it, I'm not, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's oh, Denis, Denis Villeneuve. 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 I was going to say Villeneuve. Villeneuve. But that would be that would be Spanish. Villeneuve. So yeah, it's he's, Denis Villeneuve. French French Canadian. Yeah, but very talented. Uh, very talented. A Quebecer. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and Arrival was Arrival was entertaining as well. Um. So, yeah, I just want to wish all of our readers a very Merry Christmas. I'm sure we will podcast before the New Year's, but uh, it's been an unbelievable year to be a Cavs fan. Uh, as Tom said, the the weight of 52 years, or he didn't say it, but he was meaning it, the weight of 52 years is off our backs, and uh, it, it, it's been an awesome year, and one, one of the Everybody's bemoaning on the social media is the 2016, but I have enjoyed 2016 immensely. So, and uh, me too. Yeah, thank, there's thank a 60, there's a 60% chance that the Cavs will win the title again. Yeah, <laughs> or or commit suicide. <laughs> commit suicide. <laughs> Let's hope not, though. Um, and I just want to thank you two for being a part of it as well. It, it has been an absolute blast to work with you guys and everybody else on Cavs of Blog. So uh, thank thank everyone involved and uh, thank all our readers. And it's just a pleasure to do this for you guys. So yeah, it really uh, hopefully is. Some changes coming in the next uh, month or two, but uh, hopefully all for the best. So uh, wait, I want to hear. Now we get twenty minutes of Tom's Rocket League, right? 
<laughs> oh man. No, no, we've got to, <laughs> we've got to wrap this up. Um, I've got to mix this. Uh, so good night and uh, Tom. You good didn't luck. have anything you wanted to pitch, did you? No, I just wanted to follow up and say it's been a great year for Castle Blog and. Thank you to you two guys and also Robert. Um, you know, the four of us have taken on some responsibilities to improve the site. And I think we have and more podcasts and, um, you know, Nate mixes all these things and it's, it's more work than you would think. So, um, Nate, I'm thankful for all the work you've put in and EG, every time I read one of your recaps, I just, I, I love it. And then I just feel almost guilty. Like, my Lord, how long did it take him to write this? Like, it's always my second thought. It's like, was he just up all night writing this? And yeah. maybe you're just a fast writer, but the quality is so good and it's so thorough uh, that I always just assume it took you like all night. So I'm nice usually up all night, but it's because because I'm a I'm a I I'm like I self edit along the way and and I I procrastinate, so it takes me longer than it should. But um, you know, but hopefully it's hopefully it's all for the good of the entertainment. And thirty-two yeah, percent well, of the time, he's bankrupt by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I've committed to and thought about committing suicide. Uh, <laughs> uh, that Grizzlies game, I'm, I'm sure we were all. Clo- I was close. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so was I, I gave a full. Uh, I gave more effort than the Cavs did on that recap. That was the full so, metal jacket on that recap. <laughs> yes, it was thanks. nice to see. Dunleavy, at least early on, looked like he yeah. still had something in the tank. We yeah. had some fun with the Jordan McRae. Jordan McRae not finishing at the end, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they built a bridge to nowhere that game. Memories of Dion. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Dion. I hope his groin gets better. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, the, I think there's a sixty. There's a sixty percent chance Dion's groin gets better and he comes back this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I well, won't. I guess I'm not take, even gonna like throw the, out. He couldn't get the 78 percent chance. Yeah, so he'll take I'm the not speed. gonna throw out the corollary of that statistic because it's just too dark. So as always, yeah, that's, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Is that people are just repeating fake? I mean, it is the fake right. news that we've been talking about so much, but just people's ability to just take a complete and total made up piece of garbage fact and just repeat it ad nauseum as if it right. was gospel. Right, Tom? Right. And these aren't like, well, you know, some random blog or there's something just on Facebook and some, you know, uh, stay at home mom that's got her own blog about hairstyles is repeating some fact about, Oh, did you know that it's better not even to play the lottery because 70% of people declare bankruptcy. It's like, right. It's like time and us news and world report and it's like legitimate publications that people pay money for and read that are parroting these numbers that I, it's just it's it's so shocking to me because the numbers are so egregious. I don't understand how someone wouldn't have the common sense to be like, really? Yeah, yeah. it's just it's just like that Rolling Stone thing that happened. Yeah, it was like a big scandal. And it's like, really? At no point you're like, this all seems a little bit. A little bit too, like, made-for-TV special. Well, you and know? not yeah. only that, a little bit too, you know, con- it's like confirmation bias in the extreme. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... What the they used mark- to say? Believe, believe half, believe, uh, don't believe anything you read and only half of what you see? Or the Mark Twain yeah. quote, there are three kinds of lies, lies, damned lies, and statistics. Right. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and so I mean, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, so <laughs> well, and, and here is the worst part um, about this whole thing. So I found an article, and that it was in it was in Time, and it talked about a new study, right? 2015, a new study shows that 16% of NFL former NFL players have declared bankruptcy within 13 years of retirement, right? So this is the new study and this right. major publication is citing the new study. And and then in like the very next line says a Sports Illustrated study from 2009 <laughs> showed that 78% of NFL players declare bankruptcy within two years. And then so it's it, gotten better. <laughs> well, well, no, that's the thing. They just sort of like offered it up. Like, here's another data point for you. There was no mention of like, this is in stark contrast to oh, the, yeah. to the stat that everyone's been parroting <laughs> for five years straight. Right. It was just like, Oh, and you know, in case you're not yet convinced that it's a problem, check out here's these this two completely stat. incongruous numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was crazy. And I'm just, well, and I then, think there's and, I think there's nothing left to do but to to foment the uh, the the fake analytics movement. <laughs> oh, geez. yeah, yeah. I mean, and and see, here's the thing. You know what the whole point of that piece was? It's to pontificate to you why this happens, right? It's the same reason. It's the same reason why the local St. Louis writer that wants to talk about the sad story of Ricky Davis mentioned the stat, so that then he can talk about, oh, you know, there's a problem, and these young guys, you know, they need more financial help, and they don't know what they're doing. I love that you just said Ricky Davis and not. And oh, not say that, <laughs> Jarius Miles. But by the way, I'm sure though, if you if Google Ricky Davis, Davis, I'm sure he's broke too. <laughs> right, but I'm saying. You know, every article wants to tell you I gotta do why something. this is happening. Everyone <laughs> wants to be like Dr. Phil. Everyone wants to be like, I'm going to tell you why all these pro athletes don't know what they're doing with their money. And it's like, well, maybe you could get the facts right first. Maybe, you, you know, because here's the thing. When it comes to anything from social programs to public policy to like your child's allowance, anytime, almost every time you make a decision, it's not like a binary thing. It's like you got to weigh, like, what is the extent of something, you know? And so the difference between 78% of NFL retirees are going bankrupt in two years and 16%, that is going to yield a markedly different responses, right? If it was really true that more than three quarters of NFL players were broke, like bankrupt within two years, I mean, that'd be so crazy. People wouldn't even go play NFL football. No, it'd yeah, be like, it well, be I could stay in college, get a degree and make $30,000 a year and, you know, live an okay life. Or I could be bankrupt in five years after I've had six concussions. Huh. Well, you know Ricky I mean? Davis, Ricky Davis was busted for violating the NBA's drug policy. Yeah. But so Ricky, so the funny thing about Ricky Davis is he just, uh, there was a couple articles in 2014 because he was actually in the D league yeah. in 2014 trying to make a comeback. Oh, that. That's yeah, what I'm looking that. at now. Yeah. yeah. And so. The crazy thing about him is he's only 37. So he's actually younger than Bird. He has no cartilage in his knee remains. Yeah. Oh, man. You're but, thinking about you're, you're trying to dog yourself into it, Nate. No, 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 no. I just another wig. Like, <laughs> it just cracked Long me rim up. Ricky. Like, he had all the talent in the world, and yet 
he and you know theoretically he could still be playing uh you know because birdman's still playing you got richard jefferson still playing and you yeah those guys are outliers but i mean it's just like ricky davis it feels okay. like forever ago but he's only he's only 37 i mean okay it's, it's here we go davis davis says nor does davis says he needs the money having earned about 43 million in his nba career in fact davis elected to take the minimum salary from the bayhawks twelve thousand dollars Wow. Less than half of what he could have earned under the D-League scale well, so that the should, team could use a slot on another player. He should consider himself lucky. He's part of the 40%. Yeah, he's not part of the 60%. Right. So <laughs> I, I've got a funny story about a um, a celebrity game that got played in Alaska, and there was a lot of former Sonics that played on it, including uh, Gary Payton and Sean ah. Penn, uh, who, from what I was told really needed the money <laughs> so well, i know sean kemp did i don't know about gary payton or well it sean kemp's that, got a lot of mouths to feed or he does he would have Ricky, yeah and, so and, sean kemp got divorced and then remarried his ex-wife it was like i believe because at the uh at his uh retirement speech his he talked about his he called it his former ex-wife he wanted to thank his former ex-wife Mrs. Peyton, who was like there in the audience smiling. So I'm like, that's Mrs. a really Payton interesting way. Kemp? No, Gary Peyton. You you said Sean Kemp the first time. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think Sean Kemp was ever married, and I <laughs> definitely don't think he remarried his ex-wife. But, yeah, well, you know, 20% um, of divorces, did. they end up getting remarried. <laughs> but how many commit suicide, Nate? <laughs> that's right. At least 15 of those. They either yeah. get remarried and or commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we've gone uh, pr- pretty far down the rabbit hole here, gentlemen. And uh, but you know what? The moral of all this is, is honest moral? to God. I mean, I hate to say this. I really hate to say this, but you just can't believe anything. <laughs> I mean, you really can't. Except for Cavs the blog. Ken, except Cavs for Cavs, blog, except for Cavs the blog. Beacon of truth in a confusing. Even world. though, even though Nate and I say the wrong person's name seventy-seven percent of the time <laughs> when we're trying to make a point. But thirty-two percent. Your heart's we, in the right place. Thirty-two percent of it, of it right. we get it right, right on the next time we mention a name. So, well, a guy called into Mark Neal's show the other day, and he had a question about like swapping Durant for Harrison Barnes and what that meant for the Thunder. And I said, well, if you recall, caller, uh, Harrison Barnes shot something like you know one of eight from three in Game Seven, and was patently horrible. And I don't know, I specifically remembered those numbers for some reason, and that's not even remotely true. He was like two of four <laughs> from three so in game seven. So you were an order of magnitude off I was, percentage. Yeah, I really, I really was. Now, I didn't say, or he committed suicide. <laughs> at the end of it, but yeah, I was way off. And I career suicide. Maybe career suicide. Career suicide. He well, he signed he a was paid, contract. Paid he did heavily. not commit career suicide. <laughs> and he's actually not having a bad season, although... Someone's got to score points on that team. So. Yeah, he is. That team is really not good. No. Maybe Andrew Bogut will be available. Poor, uh, <laughs> poor Dirk. Yeah. Although not poor Dirk in a way, too, because I respect the whole, I'm not going to go chase a ring with somebody. I just want to retire with my team. Harrison Barnes had 19 points tonight. 
Did they win? Nine I think of, he's like, nine he's like averaging like 20 a game. No, they lost by 10 to the Nuggets. It's terrible. <laughs> What's they, they started some dude named Finney Smith at small forward. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Harrison Barnes is the um, – <laughs> he's the uh, taller Larry Hughes. <laughs> Dear Harrison, He's the 6'9 Larry Hughes. Okay, gentlemen. Uh, we, we've gone down the rabbit hole and, and come back up and this, uh, podcast getting a little long in the tooth, so we need to wrap it up. So, uh, one, one parting, parting thing you want to pitch, uh, parting thought there, EG? Um, I just, I would say everybody should have a, uh, hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas because who knows if we'll be back on another podcast before that. Probably not. Odds are not. So I hope, uh, I hope that. We get, as you said, Nano, we get a really good competitive Christmas Day game in our stockings. Uh, I, and I don't really, honestly, I mean, as much as I want them to win and beat the Golden State again, I really could care. I, I really don't don't care if they if they win or lose. I'm not going to be affected. Let one game affect me, but um, but I hope that's great. And then the only thing I would I guess the only thing I would pitch is season two of. Uh, of the man in the high castle which uh, Have you i'm binge watched um, it all yet no i'm i'm i i'm about halfway through my wife and i watch it together so really, i have to wait is it really good you know what i really like the first season I, I came to it late i didn't actually watch it until like september of this year so it was I was still kind of like fresh in my mind so on some level I find season two a little bit more ambitious and, and and as a result, a little confusing. And there's one piece of casting that I won't ruin for people who haven't seen it yet that pulls me out of it entirely. But when he's not on the screen, I, I'm enjoying it. Okay. Is okay. this the I, show where, like, the Nazis won the Civil yeah, the World yeah. War II? Okay. Yeah, exactly. And the yeah. Nazis and the Japanese. Okay. So Americans are like rebels hanging out in the Rockies or something like that. Yeah, but it's based on the Philip K. Dick short story. Which, speaking of Nate, did you see the uh, the Blade Runner teaser today? I did not. Um, I'm, I'm a little, that. I'm a little skeptical about that. But me too. Me too. I'm the. I. I nobody more skeptical than me. But I actually yeah. was encouraged by the. Okay. Did you say Blade Runner was your favorite movie? It is. Yeah, they're so, remaking and- it. And they're no. doing a sequel to it. Oh, a it's sequel. A sequel. Okay. Is it with Harrison Ford? Yes. Okay. Wow. There you go. And so, Ryan yeah, Gosling. And... Sorry, go ahead. But directed by the guy that, that just directed Arrival. Oh, okay. What's his name? I knew you were going to ask me that. It's French. It's uh, it, I'm, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's oh, Denis, Denis Villeneuve. 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 I was going to say Villeneuve. But that would be that would be Spanish. Villeneuve. So yeah, it's he's, Denis Villeneuve. French French Canadian. Yeah, but very talented. Uh, very talented. A Quebecois. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and Arrival was Arrival was entertaining as well. Um. So, yeah, I just want to wish all of our readers a very Merry Christmas. I'm sure we will podcast before the New Year's, but uh, it's been an unbelievable year to be a Cavs fan. Uh, as Tom said, the the weight of 52 years, or he didn't say it, but he was meaning it, the weight of 52 years is off our backs, and uh, it, it, it's been an awesome year, and one one of the 
everybody's bemoaning on the social media is the 2016, but I have enjoyed 2016 immensely. So, and uh, me too. Yeah, thank, there's thank a 60, both there's you a 60 percent chance that the Cavs will win the title again. Yeah, <laughs> or or commit suicide. <laughs> commit suicide. <laughs> Let's hope not, though. Um, and I just want to thank you two for being a part of it as well. It, it has been an absolute blast to work with you guys and everybody else on Cavs Blog. So uh, thank thank everyone involved and uh, thank all our readers. And it's just a pleasure to do this for you guys. So yeah, it really uh, is. Some changes coming fun. in the next uh, month or two, but uh, hopefully all for the best. So uh, wait, I want to hear. Now we get twenty minutes of Tom's Rocket League, right? <laughs> Oh man! No, no, we've got to, we've got to wrap this up. Um, I've got to mix this. Uh, so good night, and uh, Tom, you didn't have anything you wanted to pitch, did you? No, I just wanted to follow up and say it's been a great year for Castle Blog, and thank you to you two guys, and also Robert. Um, you know, the four of us have taken on some responsibilities to improve the site, and I think we have, and more podcasts, and um, you know, Nate mixes all these things and it's it's more work than you would think so um nate i'm thankful for all the work you've put in and eg every time i read one of your recaps i just i, I love it and then i just feel almost guilty like my lord how long did it take him to write this like it's always my second thought is like was he just up all night writing this and maybe yeah. you're just a fast writer but the quality is so good and it's so thorough that i always just assume it took you like all night so I'm usually up all night, but it's because because it's, I'm a I'm a I I'm like I self edit along the way and and I I procrastinate, so it takes me longer than it should. But um, you know, but hopefully it's hopefully it's all for the good of the entertainment. And 32 yeah, percent of the time, he's bankrupt by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> or or I've committed to and thought about committing suicide. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That Grizzlies game, I'm I'm sure we were all close. I was close. Oh. <laughs> So I, I gave a full uh I gave more effort than the Cavs did on that recap. That was the full so. metal jacket on that recap. <laughs> yeah. It was thanks. nice to see Dunleavy at least early on look like he yeah. still had something in the tank. We yeah. had some fun with the Jordan McRae Jordan McRae not finishing at the end though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they built a bridge to nowhere that game. Memories of Dion. <laughs> <laughs> oh poor Dion. I hope his groin gets better. Uh, and yeah, that, I think there's a sixty. There's a sixty percent chance Dion's groin gets better and he comes back this year. <laughs> oh, I, well, we won't, I I'm not take, even gonna like throw the, out. He couldn't get the seventy-eight percent chance. Yeah, so he'll take I'm the, not gonna throw out the corollary of that statistic because it's just too dark. So as always, yeah, that's, go Cavs. Go Cavs. So here's a little bonus coverage if you choose to listen. We got Tom, Evil Genius, and I talking about some winter movies, some uh, movies to watch over the break, and some a uh, little bit about Star Wars as well. So uh, enjoy. Well, so, look, so you mean could, like other movies that are going to be out there? When you say the replacement stuff, you mean like the the Forrest Gump, like uh, yes, where they kind of yes. stitch in the old graphics with the new, um, yeah, with the new people. The, the Star exactly. Wars style, yeah, it, it seemed a little wooden, at a little fake. I'm not quite sure the technology is quite there to be doing it in the resolution they were doing it, but uh, but it, it it worked at times, yeah. I mean, yeah. you had you had Grand Moff Tarkin was uh, 
uh, sufficiently imposing. And, th- and there were some good scenes. Um, for anybody just joining, we're, we're talking about the new Star Wars movie. Tom uh, was asking what the big movie of the uh, holiday season was, and uh, E.G. said that uh, Rogue One was probably it. And I'd agree with him. It was a lot of fun. I had my issues with it, but it, it, it was interesting, and um, no spoilers, so I can't really say much beyond yeah. that. But don't don't spoil. I just anything. heard great things. I heard great things about Hacksaw Ridge, so I think it's one I'm gonna want to go. Hacksaw to. Ridge is good. Uh, it's not great. It's not the best war movie I've ever seen, but it's good. I mean, um, so what is the best war? Like, give me some, give me a sense of what your favorite war movies are. I mean, Platoon's a great war movie. Um, the Dirty. I mean, Dozen. a lot of the yeah, Dirty does. I mean, you got to go back to like the you know the old the old ones. Like Bridge Over the River Kwai is a great war movie. Right. You know, I mean, you know, there's there's some there's some great ones. There haven't really been a lot lately. I mean, I guess I'm looking forward to Dunkirk though. Saving, I, that's saving right. Private oh Ryan. man, great. I am so pumped about Dunkirk. Oh I'm yeah, so well, we, we had a whole. Um, uh, thing last year in the playoffs. Remember that one of our podcasts, a big podcasting in, in the finals was D Day or <laughs> Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yeah, I actually right. I thought that was one yep. of our best pods ever. So it, it that was a lot <laughs> yep. of fun. So yeah, what else is a good war movie? Well, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan is, is is a great one. Um. Oh, and, and my all-time favorite, it's not a movie, but Band of Brothers, the series, was oh, yeah. fantastic. One of my yeah. favorite television series of all time. So so how does it compare, compare to those, E.G.? What's that? Oh, Hacksaw Ridge? It's good. Like I said, yeah. I, I, would, I, I think it's good not – it was good not like – it didn't blow me away. I'm not a, the biggest Andrew Garfield fan either, by the way, and – I think you know. Look, it's Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's a, a pretty good director. I mean, he's he's had some good success. Um, when, regardless of how you think of him as a an actor or his his socio or political leanings, but um, but he's a good director. I mean, I, I never thought I could watch Apocalypto, and I did, and I was like, well, this is this is really an interesting piece of art. But Apocalypto um, is actually, yeah, I would agree with you, and. If you saw it, yeah, I never you would saw that. Have a hard time guessing that Mel Gibson was the guy that did it. So yeah. Um, yeah. And then the one thing about Gibson, the one thing I've heard about Hacksaw Ridge is it's very gory. It um, is very gory. He, well, yeah. I mean, look at his version. His take on the crucifixion was pretty gory too. Yeah, so. that, that was hard. True. That was hard to watch. Yeah, I have not watched Passion of the Christ a second time because it well, was it's just... kind of not a good second watch. I mean, if you've seen it once, you kind of know what it is, right? I mean, I, I'm yeah, you know, I'm kind of waiting. For you know what else was? <laughs> what are you waiting <laughs> in for? In real life, <laughs> it was a joke. It was a terrible, terrible um, joke. The other, you know, the other one like that for me is I've never watched The Dark Knight a second time. Really, it was I've just it time. was just so heavy. I, you know, I mean, I I recognized its greatness in the theater. But I just, I just, it was just draining. I just didn't want to watch it again. Well, I've probably watched both, Dark Knight, oh, at least the Joker parts of the Dark Knight, uh, 50 times. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, but they're it's, draining in their own way because it's like, God, what a waste of unbelievable talent. Yeah. Um, you know, watching, uh, oh, what's Keith Ledger? 
Heath Ledger, yeah, in in his you know not his last role, but his his last major role. I think his last role yeah. was the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. But yeah, good good call. Not many people know that. Um, <laughs> well, I would say like of all the movies that are out this Christmas, though, if you, I mean Rogue One is definitely top like towards the top of my list. The other one would probably be La La Land, the Damien Chazelle movie. The musical? Yeah, which, again, yeah, I mean, I pr- probably I like it more because I'm, I live out here and this is part of why I came out here was the, you know, kind of chasing the Hollywood dream. So for the people that, that do that and, and have had, had that, been bitten by that bug, it's definitely a, a fun movie to see. But. Well, and I would think for that reason, it'll probably get a lot of Oscar buzz because <laughs> never underestimate uh, the Academy's ability to love itself. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. No, no question. For um, sure. But yeah, I, I certainly, I kind of want to see that. Um, that take that'd be a good one to take my kids to. I want to see Passengers, although you were a little, little down on Passengers. Yeah. Passengers was a really good script that is a really creepy movie. And I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that without no, ruining no, anything. No spoilers. You've seen it, I suppose. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's not. Chris yeah, Pratt it's and... it's not what you. It's, it's not what you imagine. Them, right? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's. Just, I didn't find it all that compelling, but uh, you know, to each their own. You see a robot, and he figures it out at the end. I'm He's not going to ruin making that with a ruin, robot this whole time. I'm not going <laughs> to ruin anything. Yeah, and then there is, of course, uh, Assassin's Creed, the uh, everybody's paycheck. Yeah, which people you know. are saying this will be the first video game movie that's good. We've been waiting a long time. Uh, are there any good video game movies? Wreck It Ralph. Not really. Wreck-It That's Ralph is a about. great video game movie. Yeah, that does not count. It does not count. <laughs> I love Wreck-It Ralph. That, I've seen that Wreck-It Ralph is in the, That's in the spirit of, um, you ever seen Cloak and Dagger, the old 80s movie? Oh, yeah. Oh. Dabney Coleman yeah. and Henry Thomas. Yeah, I mean, you got, yo, has Henry Thomas the dad? No, Henry Thomas is the kid, the E.T. kid. Oh, okay. Okay. With the army Yeah, man. with the... Is it with the six? Is it a four-fingered man or a six-fingered man? I can't remember. Well, the no, six-fingered man is Princess Bride. That's right. It was a four-fingered man, but it, Dabney Coleman okay. was the dad and the superhero, like the the super imaginary guy. Yeah. And you are yep. forgetting about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first Mortal Kombat is watchable. They made Sub-Zero. a sequel. Johnny Cage. They made, <laughs> Sorry. They made a sequel called Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And, uh, you know, me and my buddy saw it, like, in high school and whatever. We thought it was cool. And we, we rewatched it a couple of years ago. We could not finish it. We're like, man, this movie is really oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. They, the one, the, they do not the one that I think could work. Oh, sorry. Sorry, the, the one The one that, that I think could work if they get it right is Uncharted. Now, they were going to do Uncharted with uh, with... Mark Wahlberg and uh, David O. Russell directing a couple years ago, and then that kind of all fell apart. But now they've got it back and potentially yeah, but up wasn't and running. Mark again. Wahlberg, Max Payne as well. Yeah, but yeah. that was and just that really dark have, and. But it should yeah. have been great because the game. Yeah. The no, I Max know. I, 
I know that fan. director. I know that director. He was never going to be very good. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, awful. then, of course, there's the movie that killed Raul Julia, Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Well, I guess it, for, some people will argue the first Tomb Raider was pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Oh, I never even saw that. Yeah, and that I was, mean, Resident, that was, Resident Evil, people seem to like Resident Evil, uh, you know, for to a certain degree, I guess. The first Tomb Raider yeah, was yeah. Um, Angelina Jolie at the height of her powers. Let, That's let's true. Let's put it that way. She she was pretty stunning in that movie, and there was some industrial rigging involved in uh, yeah. in, in the costumery. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one I'd really love to see is Fallout, the movie, but that's never yeah. going to happen. I, I almost think that Fallout, would be cool. the TV series, would be better. but Probably. Yeah. That's so open-ended, you could do it, for sure. But yeah, I'd love Fallout the movie or Fallout the TV series. Or they could do Mass Effect and redo the ending. <laughs> Fix didn't it, they it re-release a special edition and kind of redo the ending? No, they didn't redo it. They just kind of they just kind of filled it in a little bit because people had basically, you know, people basically had two two and a half huge problems with the ending. The first big problem was that none of your choices mattered, so that just kind of pissed everyone off, myself included. The second problem was there was just a million plot holes and inconsistencies. Like it didn't, the ending didn't make sense. And so they did kind of fix that. They re-released a quote unquote, you know, a free DLC. And so they kind of flushed out the ending more. So there was less that you could point to it and say that's blatantly like wrong or, you know, you, you said this like an hour ago and now you're saying this. It doesn't make any sense, but they didn't fundamentally change the ending. Which I thought they should have, but whatever. I mean, <laughs> bigger than Nintendo. Oh, they're bigger than you know. They're such a huge company. It's like, what's the incentive to do good if you're gonna just have a license to print money anyway? That's yeah. all I'm looking at. I mean, I'm glad to yeah, hear Rogue well, One was. And that's good, why. But they could they could release a Star Wars movie every year for the next twenty years. And they could all suck, and we're still gonna. They're still gonna make a killing every. Well, year. they are gonna release one for each of the next four years. So, <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? It's just. It's yeah. Just, I know. There's well, no incentive. I, like this, really has to be good. It's like no. But the but incentive they, though is. But they've put go. good directors on these movies. I mean, like you know, Gareth Evans is a, like his his. Well, I won't say his Godzilla was great, but his Monsters movie before that was great. And uh, and the Godzilla movie wasn't bad. I mean, at least it had he had some good characters in it. And then well, they did a good job with this. And they've got Ryan Ryan Johnson, the the guy who did Looper and Brick on the second on the eighth movie, which comes out next Christmas. Is that the young uh, and Solo? No, no, no. That's like the eighth. That's the eighth oh, Star Wars oh, okay. movie. That's right, right. Yeah, and then yeah, but then the Han Solo eight. one. Yeah, the Han Solo one, I forget who's directing that, but they've got a pretty good director on that too. I mean, they've they've made some good directing choices. I mean, they they could just, you know, hire hacks to do it, but they they've they've actually put some good filmmakers on. And I, you know, look, JJ has his tricks, but he did a I think he did a pretty good job with with episode 7. So Well, and part of it is and Disney gets this right more often than anybody the incentive to do a good movie rather than cashing in is the long the long tail, 
because they're still making money off the seven dwarves, you know, you know, 50, 60 years later, whereas, you know, those are properties that can be mined forever if you do them right. But if like you look at the Batman versus Superman, when you keep putting out schlock, it just cheapens the brand. So, yeah. And then people get fired. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely appreciate that they do it right. And they do it right with the Marvel movies. I mean, uh, Winter Soldier is still one of my favorite movies. Um, but see, there's the common denominator. Well, see, here's, Disney now owns Disney right. owns Marvel. Disney owns Pixar. I, I, yeah, Disney was, owns the Star Wars. I'm saying like okay. like that Disney, you're right. Disney is the studio right now. And for the last, really for the last five or six years, it has been doing it right. Tom, Here's where I think them. the difference is. Yeah, I think the difference is when you're talking about like the Seven Dwarves is still making money, and I agree. I've got a Snow White and the Seven Dwarves singing castle right now in our <laughs> daughter's room. Um, the work's already been done. I mean, what are you selling? You're selling lightsabers. You're selling the Millennium Falcon. You're not selling like Jar Jar Binks. You're not selling like the kind of one-off stuff. You're selling like the main. Star Wars um, equipment and paraphernalia, you know, X-Wing, right? Like, that's what you're selling. And that, and, and then you make a million video games about it. And I think the difference between the, the Batman stuff, which has gotten diluted, or Superman and all that, is that, you know, some subset of the population has actually read the comics. Maybe not many, but, um, right. you know, they don't, they're, not, they're not creating something necessarily new. Like, the Star Wars 8 no one will have any idea what where they're going with it. So they'll kind of have to, they'll, they'll want to watch it just to see where is this going. Not necessarily like, oh, what's their interpretation of something that I kind of already get? Or like in the case of Batman Superman, they just keep rebooting it every couple of years. Yeah. And so it's like... That's a good point. That's a good do, point. Do I, do I care about like the origin story that this director is going to go with versus like, this is uncharted territory now. And that's an interesting decision that Disney made because there actually are a ton of Star Wars books that were considered canon. And when Disney bought um, the rights, they said that they were no longer considered canon. And they gave them <laughs> like second class status and said, like, go ahead and enjoy your books, but they're not canon. And so now they're not, not even Isaiah canon. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And that Sorry, I was trying to bring it back to I was trying to bring it back to basketball. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, welcome back to Cavs the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, this may go at the end as bonus content, but it was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. We're out.